Welcome to the SCOTUS Blog Podcast. I'm Jason Harrow. In today's episode, Troy Cahill tells us about applications for stays pending Supreme Court review. He's going to address both applications in general, as well as applications for stays of execution in capital cases. Troy is currently an associate in Aiken Gump's D.C. office, but prior to joining Aiken in 2006, Troy was a staff attorney in the clerk's office of the Supreme Court. One final note. Unless Troy specifies otherwise, all references he makes to the rules are to the official rules of the Supreme Court, which can be found on the Supreme Court's website. Now, here's Troy. With regard to applications for stays in general, Rule 23.1 provides that a stay may be granted by a justice as permitted by law. 28 U.S.C. 2101 subparagraph F provides the jurisdictional basis for obtaining a stay in a case in which the final judgment or decree of a state or federal court is subject to review by the Supreme Court on writ of certiorari. In other circumstances, 28 U.S.C. 1651 subparagraph A, commonly referred to as the All Writs Act, may provide the proper jurisdictional basis. Rule 23.3 requires that, except in the most extraordinary circumstances, stay relief must first be sought in the appropriate court below. An example of one of those rare extraordinary circumstances in which request for a stay before the Court of Appeals was not required by the rules is Western Airlines Incorporated versus Teamsters. The specific site for that case is 480 U.S. 1301. In that case, Justice O'Connor stayed the Court of Appeals order in joining a merger, although no stay application had been made to that court. The Court of Appeals injunction had issued about 12 hours before the merger was to take place, and Justice O'Connor concluded that the timing and substance of the injunction made compliance with the rule both virtually impossible and legally futile. Rule 22.3 mandates that applications for stays are presented to the individual justice allotted to the circuit from which the case arises. Rule 22.5 vests the circuit justice with the discretion to act on the application in his or her capacity as circuit justice or refer the application to the full court. The recent practice of the court is that in the vast majority of cases, stay applications are not referred to the full court. Rather, the circuit justice will act on the application in his or her capacity as circuit justice. When deciding a stay application, the justice or the court takes into account four factors. Those factors are whether there is a reasonable probability that four justices will consider the issue sufficiently meritorious to grant certiorari or to note probable jurisdiction, whether there is a fair prospect that a majority of the court will conclude that the decision below was erroneous, whether irreparable harm is likely to result from the denial of a stay, And in a close case, it may be appropriate to balance the equities. In other words, to explore the relative harms to the applicant and to the respondent, as well as to the interests of the public at large. Applications for stay must identify the judgment to be reviewed, attach a copy of the order and any opinions supporting that judgment, and attach copies of all lower court orders denying stay relief. If the circuit justice denies the application without referring the application to the full court, Rule 22.4 allows an applicant to renew the application to any other justice. The present practice of the court is that renewed applications are referred to the full court for disposition. In most cases in which the application is denied by the circuit justice, the denial is simply noted on the application pursuant to Rule 22.4. No separate order or explanation of the decision issues. In a minority of cases, the circuit justice may add a few sentences to the stay order or the circuit justice may author an in-chambers opinion. In any event, counsel are notified by telephone, mail, and sometimes fax or email of the court's or the circuit justice's decision. If a stay is granted by the circuit justice, a formal order is signed by the justice and copies are provided to counsel and the lower courts. With regard to applications in capital cases, among other things, the Office of the Clerk monitors scheduled executions around the United States. Each week, a comprehensive list of upcoming executions is circulated to each chambers. 
In addition to monitoring scheduled executions, the Office of the Clerk advises the court of any lower court filings or rulings entered in any litigation involving a defendant with an upcoming execution date. Approximately 10% of the applications filed each term are applications for stays of execution. It is the practice of the court that absent unusual circumstances, applications for stays of execution in capital cases are referred to the full court by the circuit justice for consideration and disposition. The only exception to this general rule is for cases on direct review. In those cases, the practice of the court is for the circuit justice to act on the application without referring the matter to the full court. If the application for a stay of execution is denied, it is the practice of the court to act on any accompanying petition for writ of certiorari. If the application for a stay of execution is granted, it's the usual practice of the court to consider any accompanying petition for a writ of certiorari at a regular conference of the court. If certiorari is denied, the stay will usually terminate upon the denial of certiorari. In the event certiorari is granted, the stay will usually terminate upon the issuance of the court's mandate or judgment, whichever is applicable under the circumstances of the case. Any justice who votes in the minority on a particular stay application has the discretion whether to note his or her dissent in the order. Thus, the absence of any noted dissents in a stay order is not necessarily indicative of a 9-0 vote. Unless otherwise noted on the order, each justice participates in the consideration and decision of each stay application and petition for a writ of certiorari. In conclusion, while the rules and procedures applicable to applications for stay relief are straightforward, I would recommend that any practitioner who finds himself in a case that may require seeking emergency relief from the court should contact the clerk's office staff attorney as soon as practicable. The current staff attorney is Danny Bickle, and he can be reached at area code 202-479-3024. Other resources are the Supreme Court's website at www.supremecourtus.gov, as well as Supreme Court Practice, the Hornbook authored or edited by Robert Stern, Eugene Gressman, Stephen Shapiro, and Kenneth Geller.